and welcome to Act 2, a podcast by Choosing Him Ministries with hosts Tisha James and myself, Andrew Pace. Join us as we talk with others to learn more about moments when their own lives encountered in Act 2. Good morning, listeners. We are so excited to have you um, with us today. We have Laura Carter with us this morning. Good morning, Laura. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be here. Thank you for being here. We yeah, we were just talking. We are kind of neighbors. We live very close together, yeah. which is exciting. So um Laura is a Noonan resident and she is with us today just to kind of give her a little bit of like talk a little bit about her God story. And so just let's start with just you telling us a little bit about yourself. So um my husband and I have um the very short version is we've adopted our nephew. Um, he's our only child and um, we've been married 20 years. We just celebrated 20 years this past August and uh, just kind of enjoying the new adventures of parenthood. <laughs> yeah, that is so exciting. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Goodness, I feel like one thing always leads to another, but I think I'd actually like to start the story in 2019. That really could arguably go even before that, but in 2019, I started um, getting back into church. Um, the year or two leading up to that was really re-exploring my faith and working through some forgiveness issues that I had, specifically towards the church, ironically enough. Uh, and one of the next steps in that faith journey was to forgive the church from some past history I had with them. And so my mother was attending Southwest um, Christian Church, and we, uh, she kept telling me about it and different things that she was bringing up. I was like, oh, I really like that about them. And just, it was encouraging to hear. So I really felt God calling me to take the next step in forgiving the church and go and attend. And that was kind of the step I needed to take to get that chip off my shoulder. And I didn't know that just going a couple of times was going to lead to me becoming a member and not going all the time, but um, it was a really important and big step in uh, my faith. And um, I bring that up because all of this growing closer to God really was huge, I think, in the story we're about to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of laying that foundation, moving into these next, uh, what was going to transpire over the next year or two. So in March of 2020, uh, it was the beginning of the pandemic, and um, I found out I was pregnant, completely unexpected. As I mentioned, my husband and I have been married 20 years, so at the time it was 18 years, and we had never tried for children. We weren't really against children, but certainly said that, you know, if it happens, it happens, but we're not seeking this. <laughs> so when I found out I was pregnant, it was a total surprise. We weren't aiming for that. Um, I was really terrified and um, also quickly got very excited about it. And then about five or six weeks into it, found out I was miscarrying. And that was a very difficult time. I didn't understand it. Why would we be led down this path? And you know, so because we were so excited about it. And why would this be taken away? But um, I was just heartbroken. And uh, but and during that time, I remember reading um, is it Psalm 30 that says, Weeping lasts for a night, 
but joy comes in the morning. And I really held on to that and trusted that God had a plan and there was good that was going to come from this. I had no idea what it was because and I couldn't even imagine it, you know, uh, I knew I was just grieving that miscarriage and loss. So as we were kind of healing from that, my body was healing from that. Um, that was something else I didn't understand. Miscarriages are hard. I always heard women miscarry, but people don't talk about it. And I just didn't understand what a process of miscarriages physically on your body. And that it's not just something that happens one day and next week you're moving on. Yes, you're grieving emotionally, but there's a lot physically that is going on with you. And that was, um, the whole thing was just a lot. (laughs) And so anyway, as we're kind of going through that healing process, uh, my husband and I um, took a little weekend getaway to Tybee Island and just trying to have a little alone time and healing time together. And we talked about, you know, we're grieving this child so much and obviously we weren't planning it. Maybe we should plan to have a child and maybe this is clearly something we wanted. So from that point moving forward, we were continuing to try to have, have a baby together. And all, while all this was going on, uh, my sister-in-law, Sarah, um, she was pregnant with Oliver and she came from a background, a long history of mental health issues and drug abuse, um, and just a very chaotic lifestyle that comes with that. And she fortunately though, was in a rehabilitation program, uh, in the community and, was by and large <laughs> sober through the majority of her pregnancy. Um, so I was really grateful for that and that she was in that place to bring this you know, child to term and in that healthy place. And uh, so he was due around my birthday. I was like, oh, how neat, we'll kind of be close. Well, she ended up going into labor the day before uh, my birthday on August 3rd. And um, I expected, oh, the day before that's cool, at least have close birthdays. Well, I wake up the next morning and found out she did not deliver him overnight. And it's the day of my birthday and he was coming that day. And I was like, oh, how exciting. We're going to be birthday twins. You know, I have, uh, several other nieces and a nephew, but don't share a birthday with any of them. So <laughs> I was like, oh, right. My aunt powers are increasing ex- exponentially. <laughs> I was so stoked. And I remember calling one of my friends, um, and telling her, I was like, oh my gosh, Oliver's, you know, been born today and we're going to share a birthday. And she said, um, oh, the universe has given you a gift. And uh, I circled back to her several months later. I was like, you have no idea, Becky, how prophetic your words are <laughs> or were. <laughs> you had no idea what kind of gift was actually coming. But um, anyway, so Sarah ended up getting out of that rehabilitation program. Uh, they released her um, because of her uh, delivery and um, they couldn't have uh, a baby in the home that she was staying in. So unfortunately, she very quickly spiraled back into her old habits, reconnected with old friends, and uh, very quickly got back into drug use and um, just her past lifestyle. So those couple of months um, after Oliver was born were just very chaotic for the family and um, for her and just a lot of stress trying to keep Oliver out of that spiral of bad choices that she was making. So anyway, two months after um, she Oliver was born, Sarah ended up overdosing on fentanyl. 
And um, I'm going to go through that next week. Um, obviously, it's on everyone's mind that Oliver doesn't have a mother anymore. Um, we get past the funeral and then we go to my, um, or my husband and I start talking. We're like, we're actively seeking to have a child. And here's Oliver in our midst that needs a family and stability and a mom. And it's like, does this not just make sense to adopt Oliver? So we went to my, um, mother and father-in-law and told them our plans. And of course they were super excited and very supportive. So we, we took them in. And it has been quite a ride, but unlike having nine months to prepare for a child, even though we were actively trying to have a child, it's different trying and then knowing. <laughs> it, Absolutely. It's, it's here. So we literally had um, about a week <laughs> to really? get our heads kind of around this. Okay. We're in it. <laughs> we were doing this parenting thing. So it worked out. Um, my husband actually had a business trip weekend that very first weekend we brought him into our home and he's like, I can cancel it. I can come home, you know, be over there for that. And I was like, you know what, actually, I think I kind of want this weekend to myself. My, we're fortunate. My mom lives with us. And so I had her around and I was like, I can't go to your meeting. I think I would need this bonding time, you know, just for me to immerse myself in motherhood for a minute and connect with this new baby that's in our lives. So he ended up being gone for the weekend and it was actually perfect. We just spent a lot of time snuggling and holding and <laughs> doing a lot of laundry. Yeah. It <laughs> it came with how much these little bitty pieces of clothing <laughs> washing machine. And it feels like it takes hours to fold. You're like, how in the world does this many pieces of clothing fit into this? As well, yes, the community had really come and rallied around Sarah and Oliver. And so she had acquired lots of garbage bags of donated clothes and things. So my mom and I spent the time holding Oliver a lot and sorting laundry. <laughs> and I was kind of glad Ben wasn't there, my husband, for that because the house was just in total chaos as it was bombarded with carload after carload of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of was a minute to bring it all together because <laughs> it was all happening so fast, you know. Um that can be exciting and overwhelming all in the same. Yes. I remember a lot of people asking me, oh, aren't you excited? I'm like, Yes, and absolutely terrified. <laughs> absolutely thrilled that this is happening. But um, it's also all just kind of a lot too. But uh, crazy enough, we found out the same week um, that we brought Oliver into our home that I was actually pregnant again. And I ended up miscarrying a second time. The second miscarriage was by no means as traumatic as the first. And I was weirdly, maybe not weirdly, but... I was grateful for it because then I had all these pregnancy hormones and, you know, just that longing to have a baby and hug a baby and nest, you know, I really felt like that helped in our bonding process of mother and child. And um, so I'm just fascinated at how God prepared us. We had, we not had that first miscarriage in March, um, being parents would not have been at all in our minds. We would not have been in a place, I don't think, to receive Oliver into our lives like we were so readily. And God just knew what was coming in Oliver's life and knew how to prepare us. And it's fascinating to me because so much of this was just so far out of our control and realm. And it just, step after step, even us sharing a birthday was like, no, this child is 
meant to be in your life. And this is my gift to you. And initially, um, rededicating my life to Christ, when you open yourself up to him, he pours in his blessings. And uh, Oliver's just a huge testament to that in our lives. I love how you talked about before all this happened, that God had really drawn you back to the church that he'd worked through forgiveness, um, with you because that's, that feels like that was really a foundational part that to carry you through it was coming, which you had no idea. (laughs) And I think a lot of people struggle with that. I mean, church hurt is a real thing Yes, because you've got more than one person involved. Anytime you have more than one person involved in any situation, you have to figure out how to have grace, how to forgive. Um, and the church is no exception to that. So, um, that I think a lot of people will relate to that when they hear mm-hmm. that, but I love the fact that you said, you know, I had to forgive the church. And that is, that's a beautiful way to put that because I think a lot of people are just angry, but they don't realize, okay, I have to forgive this person or that person, but maybe even the church as at large. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Because there is an element of man's perspective, man's preferences, I guess, is a better way to put that, that is into the churches. And that is really where our issue is. And um, I think it's beautiful that God really pulled you in before um, this whole new world was about to land in your lap. Absolutely. And what a relief it was to get rid of that, because I've been carrying that around for about 20 years. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was very freeing to finally let let that go because carrying around that bitterness and anger and it's just it, it, forgiveness is good and healing in so many ways. Absolutely. Yes. And when you let that go, like you're a different person and a different mother for Oliver than you would have been had you been. Speaking of, so the forgiveness path is not over. <laughs> um, our, I'm still working on my forgiveness issues with Sarah as well, Oliver's biological mom. Um, her whole life was kind of chaotic and a mess, um, even from a young age. And I'm really having to work through again, my forgiveness towards her, not just in her life with Oliver. I mean, that's just a tiny little piece of the pie, but my whole life with her, um, the 20 years been and I've been married and my relationship with her has always been very tumultuous and challenging. And, uh, but she's been that way with everybody. It wasn't just her relationship with the family was tumultuous and hard. And so I've been steady working and praying on uh, my relationship with her, even though she's passed and my feelings towards her, because I know it's important that I convey a healthy relationship towards her or with her towards Oliver. Um, and so that's, uh, I've been asked before, what was the hardest thing about this adoption? And I, I think it said something to the effect of, because the question caught me off guard, Uh, something to the effect of worrying about how our family was going to receive Oliver. And that's true. That was the thing, but that that wasn't the hardest thing. I've definitely decided getting past my feelings towards Sarah and forgiveness and how I'm going to tell the Sarah story to Oliver moving forward. is going to be the most difficult (laughs) and challenging part for sure. Yeah, because you definitely have the inside perspective and not adoption. A lot of adoption stories don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't know the behind the scenes of what's going on or the right. family dynamics when, you know, when you're adopting from outside. Mm-hmm. Because it's, yes. 
definitely unique. And there probably has been a lot of personal hurt for your husband, who was probably the responsible one and the one who kind of had to watch her spiral and he had to like hold it together. And so there's like a lot of hurt that has not just happened like quickly just with Oliver, but it's been years of him Mm -hmm. like being like, oh my gosh, my my sister spiraled, got to pull her back, got to, you know, take responsibility. I'm sure he feels that way. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But no, he does towards his family too. And the hurt caused his family. He has a lot of bitterness towards her for all the. Yes. To pick up her pieces and put your life on the back burner while you're trying to take care of her. It, It is, it causes bitterness. Like I completely understand that. It's hard to have someone in your family that's going in a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) You, you know, you love them, but at the same time, you're so angry because you're just like, why are you consistently putting our family through this? So Mm. that's a lot. Not just herself. I mean, her, her own life and the mess that that is, but how it trickles out to everyone else's lives as well. But like I said, we're a lot of prayer going into that, working through it, and also um, looking to create a good, healthy, productive story for Oliver. Um, that yes, this is your mother, and oh goodness, um, his biological father is another story as well. But um, these are your parents, but this is not you, and you get to write your own story and trying to figure out moving forward, how much of the story to tell him at what ages and, you know, what can he handle and making sure that just again, faith story that's coming into our home through Oliver. Um, my husband certainly knows my feelings on how Oliver has come into our lives. And even now, just as he's, we've already said he's two. So he, um, has got to where he will not let us sit down at the table without saying a blessing together. So he's grabbing my husband's hand and my hand and my mom's hand. And we all say a blessing together and um, just little things like that. Um, even uh, our church was through the fall festival and I was hoping Oliver could go. And so he ended up bringing Oliver and getting more exposed to the church and just meeting people. And I don't know, it's very exciting um, kind of seeing how I was also using this to bring my husband into the fold as well and um, reveal himself to him. So that's awesome. I'm very excited about how that's transpiring as well. It just shows your story is not even over. Oh no, far from it. (laughs) None of ours are, are, and it's amazing to watch God unfold in it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. Um, we, we say this often, you know, if we want to be remembered by you know this and this, well, if our life is not in practice already, we're never going to meet that mark. You yes. know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could say I want to be remembered as an Olympic runner, but I'm telling I don't even hardly, like I have to <laughs> walk to the mailbox and back. So that's probably <laughs> not going to happen if I'm not already running. Right. So the things that we want to be remembered by, mm-hmm whether it's graciousness or whatever, if I'm not a gracious person and practicing that now, I'm probably not going to hit that mark. So that's what we try to get people to think about. It's like, what do you, you know, what if tomorrow is our last day? How are, if, what, how do we want to be remembered and what are we doing right now to try to get us to that? So I am very quickly known as Oliver's mom at church. People might not even know my name, but they know Oliver and because he, <laughs> he makes himself known. He doesn't meet a stranger. Uh, I, 
don't really want to be known though as Laura or Oliver's mom, or I don't care if nobody has any real association with <laughs> me and my life and my people, but if my life could spark something in them that can encourage them to look to Christ and see him, um, even if they don't remember my story, if it just plants a little seed in their life that can grow, that would be awesome. So I guess I don't want to be remembered. <laughs> it would be too great, but I really, that doesn't resonate with me so much as if I could just, whatever the impact is, if it could, if I could have an impact on anybody's life in any positive way, that would be the legacy that I would want to pass on. That's beautiful. It is. And that is exactly what Christ asked of us. I point everything to him. Thank you. Thank you so for, um, for your vulnerability, just sharing the story. It's hard. I know it may get easier at times as you share it over and over, but you've been faithful and obedient, not only to take in Oliver, but to showcase God. Um, and he's definitely getting the glory for this. So, so <laughs> thank you for being a part of our Act Two podcast, for sharing your story, for encouraging whoever will hear this story. And I have no doubt it will land on exactly the ears that God needs it to yes. land on. So trust that to him. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, as we close, whatever your story is, whatever your journey is, you own it, you share it and you let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day.